hey y'all, I am so excited to be here with you today. You know, over the last few weeks, we have been talking about mental health matters because mental health matters. In the last two weeks, Pastor Brent has given us some spiritual disciplines that can help us on our mental health journey. If you've missed those, I encourage you to jump on at city.church watch or on our City Church SA app to check those out. And today, we're gonna conclude our mental health series, and I want, um, I want to conclude the series by talking about hope. Specifically, how to find hope in helpless situations. Now, this is a topic that I think is gonna be helpful for all of us, but I wanna talk directly to those of us who struggle with our mental health and to those of us who have friends and loved ones who struggle with their mental health. You know, City Church is a safe place for you to talk about your struggles, especially your struggles with mental health. And I believe that wholeheartedly because this is a place where I feel comfortable talking about my mental health struggles. You know, I've always advocated for, um, for mental health. Um, my, most of my schooling is in psychology and counseling. I've counseled people, I've been counseled. Like talking about mental health often makes people uncomfortable. It doesn't tend to make me uncomfortable until it was my mental health that needed to be talked about. And all of a sudden, it got really uncomfortable really quick. You know, throughout my life, I have experienced lots of lows. Maybe you can relate. I always kind of thought that they were like circumstantial. Like something difficult would happen and I'd kind of feel low about it for a little bit, but then I'd kind of get over it and be no worse for wear. I think that's like normal life. And so when I would experience these lows or when I experienced them more frequently, I found uh, ways to cope with them. Not always healthy ways, like sometimes I would have like numbing behaviors, but often with very healthy, uh, in very healthy, healthy ways that no one would even second guess. I would do things like spiritual disciplines, like uh, worshiping or reading the Bible or taking my thoughts captive. I'd distract myself, maybe I'd go hang out with friends or I'd work out or I'd jump into a hobby. But I found ways to cope with these lows that seemed to kinda hit frequently in my life. And those coping me mechanisms worked so well for me until I hit maybe my mid to late 20s. And it seemed like my lows started getting lower and happening more frequently. Now at first I did what I, what I had always done and I just chalked it up to circumstances, right? As you get older, your problems get bigger. And so therefore, shouldn't the lows get bigger too? That makes sense, all of a sudden I had, I had a family in, and I was married and I had, I had a mortgage and a career to worry about. Like no wonder my lows were getting lower. But they kept getting lower and lower and happening more frequently. And my coping mechanisms that had always worked so very well for me weren't working as well anymore. It's like they would help for a minute or maybe even for a little while but it's like as soon as I could come up for air, I would get pulled right back under. And I got to the point where I couldn't cope anymore. And so in one of the most difficult moments of my life, I sat down across from someone that I love and that I trust a great deal. And I said, I'm in the lowest place that I've ever been and I don't know how to get out. 
felt hopeless. Have you ever felt hopeless? Hopeless is something that none of us want to be. It's dark, it's lonely, it's heavy, it's big. No one wants to feel hopeless. As I was researching for this topic and reading, I had the opportunity to talk to Dr. Monica Indo. And Dr. Indo is a psychologist who happens to be a part of our City Church online community and somebody that I've had the opportunity to become friends with. And as I talked with Dr. Indo, we spent a lot of time talking about hopelessness. And what she shared with me is that hopelessness often stems from helplessness. In fact, they're kind of two sides of the same of the same coin and the terms are often used interchangeably. But what she shared with me I found fascinating. She told me that helplessness and hopelessness they kind of have a formula to them. Right? So the formula that she gave me was that there are uncontrollable events where you and I we feel like we have no personal control over the events that are happening. And so we begin to feel helpless. And so in my circumstances, my mental health was a, 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 um, a circumstance that I couldn't control. And I felt like I had no personal control in the situation. So I began to feel helpless and hopeless. All right, I think about this COVID-19. I think about the season that we're in. It's an event that, we, that, that is uncontrollable that you and I have very little personal control over. So it's easy to feel helpless and without hope. You know, maybe you've been left, uh, uh, let go of a job in like kind of a, a mass um, layoff. That can make you feel helpless and without hope. When we lose a loved one, it can make us feel helpless and without hope. When we struggle with addiction, we can feel helpless and without hope. At one point or another, we are all going to feel helpless. And when hopelessness and helplessness, when they get bad, we begin to give up on the idea that we can be helped, that we can be healed, that we can be well again. And it can feel like we have absolutely no hope, that there's nothing we can do. Dr. Endo shared with me that almost 80% of us that will experience some kind of um, mood disorder like depression. And 70% of those of us who have had some kind of major anxiety episode in the last year, 80% of those with depression and 70% of those with anxiety that have had them in the last year will not seek out treatment. And y'all, and when we're feeling anxious and when we're feeling depressed, we know that something's wrong. But when we don't have hope that it can be fixed, we're not gonna seek out help. Dr. Rindo also shared with me that most of us who struggle with a diagnosable mental health issue will take more than a decade to seek out help. A decade. Most of us with a mental health issue will wait more than 10 years to seek out treatment. Hopelessness is an incredibly powerful thing. The good news is that our God is no stranger to helplessness and to hopelessness. In the midst of an incredibly hopeless situation, God said this to his people. 
He said, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So here's the question. How do we find hope? This hope that God has for us. How do we go from helpless to hope? Today, I wanna share a story with you about a man who found hope in a helpless situation. And so big picture, there is, this is the story of a paralyzed man who is brought to Jesus by a few of his friends. And something you should know about, uh, about this man is in Jesus' time, if you were paralyzed, um, you were treated very, very poorly. You were deemed as unclean, and if you were deemed as unclean, you weren't allowed to be a part of normal social life and community in the Jewish culture. In fact, it gets worse. Um, if you had some kind of disability, you would have been made to believe that it was your fault, that either you had sinned or perhaps your parents had sinned. It was something that would happen outside of your control, that you had no power to change. This man was hopeless. And so we're gonna jump into the book of Mark, which is a part of our Christian scriptures. And it says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. All right, so these verses pick up um, the story of the paralyzed men, a man when he showed up at the place where Jesus was. All right, we don't know what happened before this, but we can make some pretty good assumptions. Right? Like we can assume that word of Jesus being in the area had made it by word of mouth to this paralyzed man or to one of his four friends that would carry him there. All right, we can assume that, uh, that the, they knew who Jesus was and they believed that he might be able to bring hope to their friend who had no hope whatsoever. All right, the friends, these were great friends. They were willing to stop what they were doing to go and to pick up this man and carry him to Jesus on a mat. And the most astonishing thing to me is that the paralyzed man was willing to go. This is someone who has spent his entire life believing that he was helpless and had no hope whatsoever. And yet, he was willing to put himself out there and to seek out hope. And so, these friends and this paralyzed man, they go through all of this effort. Y'all, we have no idea how long this journey was. It could have been a 10-minute journey or a three-day journey. But what I do know is that it isn't easy to carry a guy. All right, so they go on this difficult journey and they arrive there where Jesus is and there was no room. Can you imagine how deflating that would feel, how defeating that would feel, how disappointing it would feel? But unfortunately, this paralyzed man would have been very used to this kind of disappointment. There was no room for him once again, and he feels helpless. But someone in that group of friends hadn't given up yet. 
because he comes up with kind of a crazy idea of how they are going to get their friend to Jesus. And the text says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the, man, lowered the mat that the man was lying on. All right, y'all, I've read this story a lot of times. And too often, I just kind of cruise past this detail. But y'all, they dug a hole in a roof now we know from other parts in the Christian scriptures as well as um, archeological evidence that the homes in this area would have had flat roofs that were made of things like mud and sticks and thatch. We also know that these roofs would have been strong enough to hold up a person or several people. These roofs weren't messing around and they dug a hole through it. The act of digging, it has this almost desperation to it, right? I can imagine the exertion that it takes to start to do this difficult work. I can imagine the pain in their fingers and in their fingernails as they scrape their hands across this mud and the mud and sticks and thatch. I can imagine the cuts and scrapes that they're getting on their arms. Y'all, this paralyzed man had a team of people who were not going to stop until they got him to Jesus until they got him to hope. And so, at this point they had carried him. They had lifted him up onto a roof and they lowered him down into the room in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven? Hadn't he come to be healed? Like, can you imagine being one of those friends, right? You carried the guy there, you got him on the roof, you dug a hole in the roof so that he could be healed. You dropped him down in front of Jesus and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. If I would have one of those friends, I would be questioning this right now. Like Jesus, like that's cool and all, but um, we kinda came so you could fix this whole paralyzed situation, so can you just... But the significance of this moment would not have been lost on this paralyzed man. Remember, he has spent his whole life on the outside, ostracized, blamed for his own disability, as if he had sinned and caused it. He had spent every moment saturated in hopelessness. And then Jesus, looks this man in the eye in front of everyone and says, your sins are forgiven. In this moment, in my mind, I can, I can just see it, how Jesus just reached out and grabbed from this man all of his shame, all of his guilt, all of his past hopelessness and lifted it right off of him when he said, your sins are forgiven. Y'all, this is the most important part of the story. It is, and it always will be. Because when we believe in Jesus, he forgives us too. And he takes our shame and our guilt and he lifts it off of us just like he did for this paralyzed man. And if you're watching right now and you've never believed in Jesus, I just wanna tell you that I am so glad that you are here with us today. City Church is a place where you can come and you can ask your difficult questions and you can explore what it is that you believe in. But my hope for you 
is that one day you can get to the place where this paralyzed man was, where you can believe in Jesus and he can forgive you too. So Jesus has forgiven this man of his sins, but he's not done with this man yet. And so over the next few verses, uh, we learn that there were some religious teachers in the crowd who began to doubt whether or not Jesus could really forgive this man of his sins, whether or not he really had that power, whether or not he could really take this man from helplessness to hope. There will always be naysayers. This man had experienced them his entire life. Maybe you've experienced them too. People who have spoke hateful and hurtful and life-sucking words into your life. There will always be naysayers. This man had had them too. But Jesus isn't about to let doubt and naysayers ruin this moment. And so Jesus said, which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. He walked out. This man who had to be carried to Jesus walked out. This man whose life had been filled with helplessness had found hope. You know, I think too often we think about faith like it's, like it's sitting and wishing we prescribe to this thought process that if we just had more faith, then it would fix all of our problems. Then it would fix our mental health issues or our health issues or whatever that looks like. And y'all, I don't disagree. I think that we could all use a little bit more faith in our lives. But I also believe that sometimes faith has feet. Because I believe God can use anything he wants and anyone that he wants to bring us to a place of hope. Because y'all, sometimes faith looks like being willing to take a chance, even in the face of helpless circumstances. Sometimes faith looks like picking up someone's mat and carrying them to a place of hope. Sometimes faith looks like a difficult journey. Sometimes faith looks like a persevering in the face of a difficult moment. Sometimes faith looks like a hole in a roof. God can use anything and anyone that he wants to bring us to a place of hope. And I know that this is true because I've seen it in my own life. In one of the most difficult and darkest moments of my life. I sat across from my friend Michelle. I told her I was in the darkest place I'd ever been and I didn't know how to get out. And she listened to me and she loved me right in the middle of my mess. And in that moment, it's like she reached down and picked up a corner of my mat 
she encouraged me to set up an appointment with my, with my primary care physician, and so I did. And he and I together, we created a, a plan, a pathway to, to hope. And in that moment, he reached down and he picked up a corner of my mat. He referred me to a psychiatrist and, and she picked up a corner of my mat. I found a counselor and he picked up a corner of my mat. My husband Wes came alongside me on this journey and he picked up a corner of my mat. I don't know if you were counting, but that's too many corners, but that's okay because I'm gonna take all the help I can get and so should you. And as I sought out help, and I was surrounded by this incredible team. God loved me through each of them. Loved me so endlessly. Just like God had used four friends to love a paralyzed man. And as each of them used their God-given gifts, they helped carry me to a place of hope. They took me from helplessness to hope. They took me to a place where I could stand on my own two feet. They took me to a place where I could pick up my mat and walk. God can use anyone he wants to take you from a place of helplessness to hope. And so if today, if you're in a helpless place, if you feel hopeless, this is what I want you to do. I want you to talk to somebody. Even if, if it's something big, I want you to talk to somebody. Even if it's something small that kind of keeps coming up over and over again, I want you to talk to somebody. Even if your arms are crossed right now and you don't think you need to talk to anyone, I want you to talk to someone. I want you to let someone come alongside you and pick up the corner of your mat. I want you to let someone love you and let God show love to you through the people that he's placed in your life. And y'all, just for clarity, because I know someone's thinking this, just because you talk to somebody, just because you reach out for help doesn't mean that your journey is going to look like mine. Our journeys all look very different. I went and I talked to my primary care physician and to a psychiatrist and to a counselor because that's what I needed on my journey. Your journey is gonna look different. Don't let hypotheticals and fear keep you from reaching out and asking for help. Let someone pick up the corner of your mat. For those of us who have friends and loved ones in our lives who are struggling with their mental health or who are struggling with anything, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it can be difficult to talk to somebody about things that they're struggling with, but I'll tell you a secret. They're uncomfortable too. And as difficult it is for you to talk to them about it, it is infinitely more difficult on them. You don't have, all, have to have all the answers. You don't have to try to fix them. You don't have to have any answers at all. All you have to do is pick up a corner of their mat. All you have to do is love them in your unique way. Call them, text them, invite them out for coffee. Go to them to a doctor's appointment if that's what they need. Make them a meal. Watch their kids so that they can go on to an appointment or have a break. 
God has given you gifts and skills and, and a personality that is going to be perfect for you to love the people in your, in your life who are struggling. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to have any answers at all. You just have to pick up a corner. City Church is a place where you can get real about your mental health struggles. Thank all of you for creating a culture that feels safe for me to share my mental health struggles. I want you to be able to get to a place where you can pick up your mat and walk out. 10 years, it takes most people struggling with mental health 10 years to seek out help. Do not spend 10 years feeling hopeless. Let someone pick up the corner of your mat. Let God love you through the people he's placed in your life. Will you pray with me? And so God, right now I thank you that you care about our struggles. I thank you that we can turn to you in the midst of our helplessness and that you can carry us to hope. Right now, God, I pray for the person that's struggling, whether it's with their mental health or with someone that, something else, God. Right now, I pray that you would surround them with people who can help carry them on their mat. I pray that you would take away fear as they reach out for help, God. I pray that you would take away um, the past hurts that have kept them from reaching out again. I pray that you would take away the naysayers, God, as, uh, as, they, as they move from helplessness to hope in you. God, I pray for those of us who maybe aren't struggling with our mental health but have friends and loved ones who are. I pray right now that you would give all of us that need to come alongside and pick up a corner. I pray that you would give us the, the strength to do that, God. I pray that you would come alongside us and, and supernaturally kind of make us more comfortable in the midst of this uncomfortable situation. God, I pray that you would give us the skills and resources to help those who need our help. But most of all, God, I just pray that you would just give us the strength to take the first step and send that text and make that call. God, you, you are our healer. You are our hope. Thank you for that. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.